0: Hello! You're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by...
1: It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing very good. Enjoying the autumn. Mm. I'm a big fan of autumn in general. It's my favourite season.
0: I've had my runny nose, which uh, normally augurs October
1: is here. Wow. Is that like a... What's going to happen after you die, then?
0: Oh, no more autumn. Wow. Just a, permanent winter a, around the
1: world. Heavy responsibility, I guess.
0: Mm. Mm. So what are we talking about today, Peter?
1: We've got another one of... Do we have an acronym for the, my provocatively... Peter's provocatively named episodes? Peter's provocations.
0: I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. I
1: don't think we do. So I, I called this episode, How Do I Even Pick These Splash Cards Anyway?
0: Which I love, yeah. Yes. And just the one gutting thing about this is we weren't doing this during Innsmouth, because I feel like Splash just <laughs> Innsmouth would just be a real... We're a little bit late, but anyway, it's still yeah. worth it. I'd,
1: I kind of wish... I'd like it to be, for pure clickbaitness, it should be more aggressively titled. So something like, you don't even realise you're picking splash cards wrong, or something like that
0: okay yeah. just to get people listen, riled idiot. up a bit. yeah listen idiot yeah. you don't know how to pick splash cards you've gone too far there frank the 10 mistakes noobs make in picking splash cards i think we're getting there we're getting there we'll workshop yeah. it a bit. i don't think we've got 10 okay. is the problem <laughs> no <laughs> any number is a bad idea because we don't know how we're going to end up with this yeah so we're talking about splash and what we love to do at the start of these is define our terms i love that in the notes little uh inside insight for listeners here you've written clearly defined terminology <laughs> but then you've not actually put any definitions in was, that, so... that was on you <laughs> <laughs> oh i have to come up with yeah them. that's it just
1: just Frank. Mm-hmm. clearly yeah. de- defined terminology
0: yeah well i'll tell you what jumps out to me so um just before we recorded this episode i was having dinner with my lovely wife and she said what are you going to record and i said we're going to talk about off class and she said what's that and I briefly explained that most investigators have a faction that they belong to, even if it's just a nominal belonging to that faction. Their card does have a colour. And an off-class is them taking cards that don't belong to that colour. And I think that's similarly what a splash card is, isn't it? It's well, drawing yeah. from somewhere else in the colour can, can, can
1: I Can I read something? I didn't have this open, hmm. so I've just pulled it up now. I first heard of the word splash used when I was playing Magic the Gathering. I mm-hmm. uh, don't know whether it that's where it originates. I feel like it's been in use there for quite some time. But guess <laughs> that get, get my best best man voice ready. The the Magic: The Gathering fandom wiki defines splash as a practice <laughs> of using only a very small amount of cards of a color in a deck, which is filled with cards of other colors. The act of adding mm. such variety to a deck is called splashing and may significantly improve certain matchups at the cost of adding strain to the mana base as an additional color needs to be supported. The point there is you might have a, a particular card which covers a hold or a weakness in your deck or fits very well mm. in combination with other cards you've got in your deck. However, in magic, uh, any cost of, uh, any card of a color has to be paid with a particular kind of resource associated with that color. So to cast yeah. blue spells, you need blue mana. Um, and yeah. if you add just one card of a colour into a deck, you've then got to make an allowance for trying to, against variants, of trying to get that blue or whatever colour resource in play so that you can play these cards.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Lord of the Rings LCG has a similar thing. You're not restricted by what cards you put in your deck, but you can only pay for them if your heroes matches their faction. So you could run a tri-colour deck in in lord of the rings but you would then need all of your heroes to generate the resources for the different colors which is quite tricky well don't have that problem in arkham though do we and that definition you just read if you'd not read the last clause i think the point about it adding you know significantly improving your deck or doing something to to um, enhance the deck at a cost skip the cost bit and we're getting close i think to what we think about as Splash cards?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm aware different people might use this phrase to mean different kinds of things. Shall I say how I use it? Yeah, please do. This, yeah. to me, is typically the, the practice of some types of investigator who have access to a small, a, a, a limited in number, a limited in number, Oh God! I've built myself into a sentence prison. I can't escape from here. <laughs> I'm trapped in a wall of words. <laughs> go up, go up. It's when you you have a certain number of of cards of a, of a, of not associated with your investigator's main class. Usually, like a small number. I think it's often five. I think a lot of investigators will say you can take five cards that are you know level zero cards of any faction or of a particular faction or all that kind of thing. And I tend to think those cards like a splash. It's a little bit of splash of a different colour in your deck. That's what Mm. comes to my mind when I think about splash. I don't know whether you'd agree with that or you've got any nuance you want to add?
0: Well, reverse engineering that. If I saw someone was playing a Daisy Walker deck and it had, I don't know, Shriveling and Ward of Protection and Deny Existence in it. I wouldn't be like, oh, cool Mystic Splash (laughs) because she has access to so many Mystic cards. It's not a surprise to see them in Daisy. Whereas if you saw that in Rex, you'd be like, oh, okay, interesting. You've splashed in Mystic cards for your five off-glass selection. And it, it it does take on a different significance, doesn't it? And I suppose that's the point. The Splash is normally limited to a small number, five, maybe 10. And that means it then we give it an importance and i suppose that's the question for me running behind this is it important and if it is how do we make the most of that importance to build the best deck or a deck that's really does something with that opportunity
1: yeah yeah that's that sounds great let's be specific let let's pick we've got two two bands of investigators that i think of when when we talk about splashes the first is the, the Dunwich Investigators. Yeah. And all the Dunwich Investigators can take level one to five of their main class, and they can take up to five level zero cards of any faction. And mm-hmm. each card can be of a different faction. You're not limited in those cards at all. And the second one, and people may realize the significance way ahead of this, is the Edge of the Earth Investigators, who all have mm-hmm. a similar style of deck building, where they have a main class from which they can build their deck and take any number of level zero cards, and then a class they upgrade into where they can take five cards at level zero and then any number of cards in that same faction at level one plus. Mm. Yeah. So it's weird talking about it, what we just said, it's like a small amount for different color, because over the course of a campaign, your deck is going to become more... Wet, I guess. <laughs> it's gonna have yeah. more of that off-class color in it, right? Splashed, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's absolutely right. And yeah. then I think
1: there's there's a handful of other ones. You've made some notes here, Frank. Yeah. So Marie and Finn
0: can take five seeker seeker survivor level zero cards. So they've got a choice. They're not as broad a choice as the Dunwich investigators, but they do get five. Carolyn is wild. No one else has deck building like Carolyn. 15, level 0 to 1, Seeker or Mystic. So already we've got like an increase in XP level and limited to two factions, but much more than the five. So she's quite an outlier for me. And I think probably I'm not going to think too much about Carolyn in this episode because she's such a strange beast. And then of course, there's also the investigators we've seen that get to choose their secondary class yeah so tony mandy and gloria because it's a secondary class it's 10 cards they get a choice and i don't think of that as i suppose it's sort of splashing but it's a significant enough chunk that i think it's probably safer that we don't include them (laughs) for this (laughs) for the purposes of this discussion what do you think? Yeah,
1: that's fine. I think what we're going to talk about may broadly apply to them. I mean, I mm-hmm. know whenever I've built out of those decks, I pick the the one faction that's got a good couple of cards in that I really want to include and then mm-hmm. pick some other ones. I guess maybe what we're going to go on and say will we'll apply to them as well. Um, we, can, mm-hmm. we can see.
0: Yeah, I think there's some things that, that, that touch on the same thing. But yeah, so, so Splash is limited number, probably 5 to 10. And just from those examples, we see that it doesn't necessarily open you up to every single faction. It could only open you up to one faction, like the Edge of the Earth investigators. You can just take five cards from the faction that you're going to upgrade into, which is sort of interesting. I'm just going to pause us at this point as well and say... I mean, amazing timing from us. But for people who also listen to the Mythos Busters, curse their name forever, <laughs> a recent episode of theirs was on what cards you want to get from a faction if you're using it as your off-class. So, for instance, Guardian in Skidzo Tool. What does Guardian bring to Skids that he's not getting from Rogue? And they, they went almost card by card. You know, what are the good allies that you can take as an off-class? What are the good weapons you can take as an off-class. This episode is not going to be like that, but hopefully it will be complimentary. So if you want to think about it more card by card, you could go listen to the Mythos Busters. I can't believe I'm recommending that, but there we go. And if you want to be thinking more about maybe the principles behind splashing or just uh, giving you a new angle to approach a particular investigator, hopefully we'll do some of that here. Yes. So, Peter, what should I think about when I'm picking a splash
1: card? So it's a good question, Frank. Thanks. <laughs> the first thing I've, <laughs> I I've can't re-
0: claim credit for it because you wrote it. <laughs> the first thing
1: I've written in the notes is is let's go right back to basics uh, and talk about another another term I've first heard through magic, which is the colour pie. Mm-hmm. Which is is a phrase for identifying particular mechanics that sit within different factions. Mm. So you know, at, at a very basic level, you could say guardians fight, seekers find clues, rogues evade, mystics use their willpower, and survivors do weird stuff. and Don't <laughs> die. Yeah, but they all have particular mechanics associated with their card pools, and I guess crucially, particular mechanics that aren't associated with their card pools that mm. other factions could bring into their um, c- can bring along with them if you're able to include them.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think as the game's gone on, what we've also seen is that most factions can do most things, but certain factions do them better as well. So, you know, you can find card draw in every single faction now, but say you're comparing Glory in Guardian with Lucky Cigarette Case in Rogue. You know, Glory is only going to get you a couple of cards in the game. Lucky Cigarette Case in theory is getting you a card every turn. So it's not that Card draw is limited to only seeker. It's just that certain factions do it better or offer it in a different way.
1: So I guess that would be my first bit of advice. Then, if you're going to bring in something of a different faction, bring in what that class can do efficiently. Mm. I don't think Mm. anyone is is going into say seeker to get like a load of economy cards. If you had the option, you'd probably go back into like rogue Mm. or going into guardian to get clue finding cards. Uh, of course, yeah. you know, there's always going to be situations where that's what you want to do. <laughs> but, you know, at a very broad level, you want to look at other factions to cover the weaknesses you've got on the main faction, in your main faction, and to kind of just accelerate the efficiency of what you want to do. I know, like, when you build, say, Finn, a lot of people want to build Finn as a, as a kind of hybrid clue-getter and evader. So there's, there's some really good cards you can bring in in Seeker for his off-class picks, which which really bump up his ability to get clues. So things like fingerprint kit, deduction, those kind of cards. Mm-hmm. If you're less worried about clues, maybe you want to enhance his ability to survive the Mythos phase. You look at Survivor, potentially, and you might be looking at, I don't know, Cherish Keepsake or um, Pete Sylvester.
0: It's a really nice example. And I think the other thing that came up out of this for me, as you were talking as well, is that you can always go back to your main class and compare how you do that in your main class. So, you know, for the example of surviving the mythos, ooh, Finn can't even take cheat death because he can't take level five (laughs) rogue. So, you know, maybe he's thinking about that liquid courage, but not liking the idea of the willpower test and thinking, okay, you know, yeah, exactly. A keepsake might just be a lot easier for me or a perseverance, or something like that. I'm just going to cancel the the damage and horror when it is going to kill me, rather than worry about trying to mitigate it in a slower way. That taking the comparison back to how does how do I do this in my main class, and can I do it more efficiently with my splash?
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I remember when we wrote a we wrote an article on deck building years mm. ago, um, and we did did we make Rex
0: and Zoe were they the, those the two we picked? Yeah seems weird to have made rex but
1: yeah 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 <laughs> when i look through the the cards we used I, I haven't looked at it in a while but so many cards are at least you can't use them in the same way anymore we're like oh you should think about taking dr milan because he's pretty good at making you some money yeah or or like machete it's, it tends to be an extra damage all the time
0: yeah <laughs> how the game has changed we were <laughs> innocents back then i know later. i know
1: but I'm sure we mentioned in the article, like the, the fact that you can, you can flavor a lot of the deck by looking at those, um, those off class picks. And I think mm-hmm. if we go back to the, the Dome Witch Gators, Jenny's a great example of how you can use those off class cards to really steer her in a particular direction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can really yeah. make a cluey Jenny by, by going into Seeker heavily with your, your bonus cards. You could make a more fighty Jenny by going into Guardian more.
0: Yeah, I think I've done both. Yeah, well, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, never done mystic, Jenny, but <laughs> maybe it's waiting to be done. Yeah, yeah, and so I'm, I thought of some broad categories of what you might want to use your splash for. Yes, and oh, I've written down theme because that's I think also lurking in the background here, shoring up a weakness, or maybe you know enhancing a strength, mm-hmm. and then I've put a sort of question marky one of maybe breadth of adding utility so yeah so what i meant by theme is you can use your your splash if you want to to add flavor to your investigator they might not be the best gameplay choice cards but if you want to do theme perfect and your splash adds those little sort of storytelling moments it's the same with you know the dark horse jenny build slightly mechanically powerful but but also it's this idea that like she can turn her hand to everything she is a bit of a dark horse
1: yeah, cool. yeah. We want to dive a bit deeper on the edge of the Earth, investigators. But what kind of cards do you find yourself reaching for when you're looking out of faction cards? What's like a really like, you know, I've got I could put any a card of any faction in my deck. The old um, Patrice makes perfect question. <laughs> I've taken versatile and I've added a card yeah. to my deck. What, what are the is that what are the card? What is that one card? Do you think? What are some really good options for that?
0: Hmm. And I point people towards that Mythos Busters episode where they did explore it in a lot of detail. I think it was really interesting to hear their exploration and then see, does that chime with me? I think I would find myself going towards some of the cards you've mentioned, like your Vicious Blow or your Deduction. Yeah, They're the cards that, you know, skill cards that enhance the tests that you know you're going to take anyway. Yes. I also find... I'm very fond of cancellation. Yes. Because it gives me that me- I think at heart I'm a control player rather than an aggro player to use the magic archetypes. Yeah. But I love that idea of, you know, if I can if I can control the mythos, I get a free reign to do what I need to do in the investigation phase. So cancellation, whether that's water protection or deny existence, which I know I've mentioned earlier. And I think also something like working a hunch. Or Drawn to the Flame. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a mystic card that gets you clues. Oh, it seems pretty good. Cards like that that just... I feel like I'm slightly repeating myself. They do something very efficiently, very well Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. for what they do. Getting clues is... You're normally going to need to do that over the course of a campaign. So having more ways of doing that is good. I was thinking back as well. I remember thinking... Splashing in really reliable weapons... I remember doing that in Dunwich a lot. It's like, what am I pulling in? You know, whether that's Fire Axe in Rex or Machete in Jenny, I'm going to bring in a weapon I know is just going to do the work for me. And I'm, I'm talking here solo as well because I need I need my investigators to be able to do everything. So I'm going to use my splash to bring some consistency to what I'm doing. What about you? What what jumps out for I, you?
1: Water Protection jumped out to me almost top of the list. I think you're... you're... You mentioned deduction, which absolutely would be high on my list, but I've often thought in the play where you take fingerprint kit, mm-hmm. which is almost like three deductions together. Yeah. And it kind of brings me on to something else, which I, I find interesting when we're talking about splashes, which is how do you get the most bang for your buck for those cards you're bringing in from other factions? Mm. Like, like you know, fingerprint kit is, is more limited in a way, and much more expensive than deduction. So you have got to pay mm. four, but you do pay four, and an action play it, and then you get the three. You've got the three deductions there, right? You just you got to yeah. use them over three turns. But I think it, it, it's a, it's a real like if I was if I was only had a limited amount of secret cards to bring in, I'd potentially look at that like longer term boost mm. rather than rather than a, a deduction, unless there is some other mitigating reason why you might want to do that. You see what I'm trying to say?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I actually, I was just thinking as well, if you're not going to be able to upgrade those Seeker cards, maybe you want to splash in the fingerprint kit so you get the most value out of that because you're not going to go to deduction two at some point. Not that you need deduction zero to go to deduction two, but yeah. just it's like this is going to give me my three deductions for the cost of four resources. So for say for Monterey Jack, I know that I can buy... Deduction two down the line, but I can't. There isn't an upgraded fingerprint, so I'm going to start with the fingerprint now and add that consistency. Am I well, getting that right? Yeah, he's Rogan to seeker. So yeah, yeah five, yeah, five seeker off class. But I think that,
1: that, that you've made you've made a good point there, and especially in Rogue, actually, because you find Rogue they start to get lots of like high experience cards which which have really big effects. Mm. Um, but think of say like Lola Santiago. Mm, mm. She, she really adds a lot of clue power to, a, to a, a rich rogue deck, but obviously isn't available from the first game uh, unless you've managed to acquire some pre-game experience. So you might be in a position where, okay, I can take that, but what is my deck going to look like in a few games' time? Is that going to have an impact on what I'm picking now? Because it's hard to change, or I've got to pay experience to change these cards.
0: I think that leads on to the next point which is already bringing us naturally to the edge of the earth investigators yes you get this limited splash for your level zero deck five of your off class and we're going to call the off class the class that isn't the color of your investigator (laughs) it's going to get confusing i know it but then as you upgrade your deck you're able to add more cards of that color to your deck and so do you want to ring fence that five off class splash as these are cards I'm not going to upgrade because I only get one chance to dip into the level zero pool, yeah. as it were, unless you're using some shenanigans about changing those cards or something like that. I think that's a really challenging question for me, and I don't think I've ever quite settled on it. It's What it's making me think is, which is something I do more and more now anyway, sketching out what I'm going to upgrade into, yeah. having that sense of the first 20 XP. I might not know exactly what cards I'm going to remove, but just saying, right, by 20 XP, these cards are going to be in my deck. So just checking that what's there in the level zero deck will complement where it's going to get to.
1: And I think Edge of the Earth is especially tricky for that, seeing as, I mean, we mentioned earlier the colour pie, mm. every, every investigator in the Edge of the Earth is upgrading out of things that their deck can do efficiently to begin with,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you've got it's, it's a really interesting tension between what what is my level zero faction bring into the table that is going to stay with my deck through most of the campaign because you're unlikely mm-hmm. to have enough experience to agree every card in your deck, right?
0: Yeah, well, hmm, yeah. Carry on your point, but yeah,
1: <laughs> you disagree with that.
0: Uh, yeah, I want to issue a retraction when I can. Okay. To what I've said. Do you want to finish your point? No, okay, I've that's said right.
1: <laughs> yeah, so so you you've got that tension between this is what my level zero cards of my own faction do. This is what my upgraded cards of a different of a, of my splash faction or secondary faction can do. And finally, these are the cards at level zero I want to put in my deck that don't sit in that upgrade route but cover weaknesses at the level zero point that my main faction level zero cards can't cover.
0: Yeah, or not if they don't cover weaknesses, they accentuate strengths yes. at level zero. But if you're upgrading out of those strengths into something else, do they stop accentuating? It's a, it's a minefield. Yeah, so my retraction, as we did the first looks for Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion for players, one of the things I said was, I'm thinking about these Edge of the Earth Investigators as their upgrade class that that's their main class and that they have this generous splash of whatever the color on their investigator card is and since saying that we've played with some of these investigators and i reflected that even at 29 30 xp the deck still is primarily the color that they come in so i built a lily deck at 29 xp no 19 xp for lily and you know when you've put in a couple of 3 xp cards a couple of 2 xp cards that's actually, you end up not maybe putting in eight cards to get to 19 XP. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't immediately change the color of your deck as soon as you get XP. It's really that end of campaign when you're hitting, I don't know, 40 plus XP, depending on the campaign, that you might see significant change in the color. So I suppose my retraction is, I said, think of them as entirely their upgrade class. And I want to now go to a position of a bit more nuance and say, okay, they're the level zero class is pretty significant, but the the change in color won't be as rapid as we think it will be. So the splash is really important then about giving you that like starting flavor of whatever your upgraded class is going to be. I just love existing in shades of gray and, <laughs> and and vagueness. So yeah, no one wrote in and told me I was wrong. So thank you to all the listeners who... <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll track that in a
1: future episode
0: held back if you want to write in now and let me know that I was wrong that's fine yeah anyway it's. I think it's this is the part of what's really exciting we've got all of these cards at once and our positions are changing because we're playing them and getting experience and saying okay hang on you know so, so when I went to build that lily deck I put in what XP I wanted I was like okay am I going to do Cyclopean Hammer am I going to do um, the butterfly swords maybe not maybe I am going to try Dragon Pole and then you fill in your XP, and then I was like, okay, well, what are my five Guardian cards? You do those, and I think I'd only done, at that point, 11 cards. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so that means, you know, 19 of this deck is going to be Mystic level 0 and neutral. Yeah. it's a significant amount. And back I went to the drawing board of, like, how do those Mystic cards work with this Guardian upgrade path?
1: And and that's fascinating because that's not even how you would play a campaign that that was a standalone, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, that was a standalone. Yeah. So
1: so that's like that that's another wrinkle to the problem because you can just jump to that straight point that point in the standalone, knowing mm-hmm. that you're able to rely on those upgraded guardian cards in Lily without having or to not, work to the case. Maybe the, well, <laughs> <or> not, yeah, <laughs> we know we all know how that turned out. Without, uh, I've lost my train of thought now.
0: I can, you can jump to them without having to sort of slowly work your way there. Is that
1: what you don't you're need at? the the infrastructure in your level zero class to build your build up on top of? It's like a, a sometimes envisaged deck building, and we don't. We didn't really mean to talk about deck building in this episode. To to a, to a great extent, it's that when you build a deck, you're building like a foundation upon which the structure of your building is built on is <laughs> constructed upon you're getting yourself in another one of <laughs> <you am>. prisons <laughs> but do you know what I mean so so your, your mm. level zero is, is, a, is a kind of you might pick cards as you go through that add additional effects to your deck but because you're inside the same faction you're not going too far outside that, that your slice of the colour pie mm. but it's almost like the edge of the earth investigators you build your foundations and then you start building it building in a totally different place yeah and you've got this like halfway house between oh i've got really solid foundations and i've got this really tall thin spire of exciting upgraded cards that's kind Mm. of teetering over there um and and i need to make sure they both work
0: should we add an example here that would bring this to life for the listeners do you have one in mind
1: Do, do you have one in mind
0: i was thinking about norman as you were talking okay go on and norman as you know the final form of Norman's deck, maybe <laughs> final form of Norman, <laughs> the final forming Norman, yeah, the the final iteration, including maybe thinking multiplayer here, a couple of water protection level two, maybe a storm of spirits three, maybe a couple of upgraded shriveling, a couple of upgraded clue getting spells, maybe a an XP mystic ally. So it feels very, this is the spire. It's very mystic and mystic doing mystic things. Yeah. But he's still going to have that foundation of read books, draw cards, get clues. And his, he's still going to have five intellect. So, so how those two things sit together, I think, illustrates that. What's the foundation and where did you go with it? So when, we, when I played Think on Your Feet, Norman, one of the things we talked about in our discussion ahead of that was what do you pick for his off-class, Splash? And in particular, we went through quite a lot of cards that we felt you shouldn't pick because they're cards that you might upgrade. So if you're going to pick Shriveling as two of your five, but then you're going to put Shriveling level three in your deck, you're going to lose those level zero cards. And is that a good idea or not? And certainly our position at the time was that that was in some way inefficient, we're not getting the most out of our splash if, a scenario or two later, the Shrivelings get upgraded to Shriveling 3s, the Wards of Protection got upgraded to Ward Level 2. You then think, oh, now I have no Mystic Level 0 cards in my deck. Do you think that still holds? Where are you at with that the splash should be sacrosanct?
1: I don't know. This <laughs> is one of the reasons I suggested doing this this episode, really, because I mm. I felt like it was something I didn't felt a bit scared of whenever I came to build the deck, and I I think because I I the first deck I started building out of Edge of the Earth, aside from Norman, which who I played in the past, was Daniela, mm. and it really felt like what I needed to do to make a good start on that was have a very and actually it's exactly like you said have a really strong idea of what I wanted my deck to do the purpose of my deck and Mm -hmm. that really helped steer me in the direction of what level zero cards I should get and then what upgraded cards as well
0: because you made a really interesting choice with that Daniela splash around whether or not to run resourceful
1: oh yeah yeah that was an interesting one
0: yeah because that idea you know in if you run one copy of Resourceful in Daniela at level zero, maximum you're going to have four targets in your deck mm-hmm. because it recurs a Survivor card. But the more Survivor XP cards you add, the more and more targets you get. So that it, it is really intriguing to me about how quickly Resourceful can be useful in a Daniela deck.
1: Or potentially, do you want to go with Scrounge, which doesn't is is useful for every card in your deck off the bat, but doesn't get back any of your upgrade cards as you start to level up your deck.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's it's a, it's a really interesting balance that.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting.
1: And that 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 decision of you know should we should we go to uh um oh no, we've got one other thing I want to cover first and then we can talk about some some just an we can talk about some examples I think.
0: Which yeah. is that yeah. we
1: might there's there's some cards that do add wrinkles to this whole discussion as well.
0: Just when it wasn't wrinkly enough. <laughs>
1: an extra yeah. an extra just just another few worry lines. <laughs> and there are some cards which affect the metagame of, of how you build your deck between scenarios, right? I think the two effects that really struck me when I was thinking about this episode, you've got Exile. Exile tends to be an effect on XP cards that after they're played, or the exile effect on them is triggered, they're removed from your deck. And you have to pad your deck back out to the to your deck size with level zero cards. Mm. So we've talked in the past. It's if you want to swap cards around in your deck, putting exile cards in, getting use out of them, quite powerful effects is is you know you're paying an XP to change a card anyway. Why not pay a card and get an exile card into the bargain? They pay mm. an XP and get yeah. an exile card into the bargain. So th- that can have impacts on this, and I think like. You can imagine, especially in someone like Daniela, who is upgrading into Survivor, you might want to upgrade some of your Splash cards, and that leaves you with holes in your deck where you're not using all your level zeros. You exile a different card, and then that leaves you a spare slot to put something else into. Yeah, um, And by similar logic, Adaptable is the same. So that just lets you swap level 0 cards around.
0: Yeah, so this is one of the powerful things for Jenny, and might be very powerful for Bob. Jenkins as well. You can take Adaptable at level one, because they both can take Rogue Level One cards. And Adaptable just it doesn't care what faction you're swapping, it just gives you those swaps. So that means if you have access to a splash, you can start to really tailor your deck two cards at a time or four cards if you buy two copies between scenarios. So you could go back to that Jenny example. You're going into an enemy heavy scenario you swap in the Vicious Blows or the Dynamite Blast or more evasion tricks if that's how you want to handle those enemies. And then you know that the next scenario is pretty clue-heavy or you're thinking, oh, I didn't have enough blast scenario. I did need some clue help. So you switch it round again. In comes the fingerprint kit or the working a hunch. It adds, like a, like we said, an extra wrinkle. It's this extra layer of decision-making around Splash. And I suppose part of why we're talking about it, right, is if we understand the principles behind what our splash cards are doing. We then know if we want to riff on them or not. I think that's, to go back to Norman, one of the things Mystic has is a lot of cards that upgrade into other versions of themselves. Most of the spells have you know, multiple versions. Because we know that that's the case in Mystic, we also then know that you can just buy those cards at a higher level if you want to. So if we want that splash to be impactful, maybe we avoid the cards that we can just buy later and we're trying to weigh up. Well, how much do I need them now? Scrounge for supplies. How much do I need them later? Resourceful and and deciding at that point. Any other funky abilities?
1: Well, I mentioned rabbit hole and arcane research. But they mm. kind of tie into the discussion we've been having around Edge of the Earth cards, which is that you should be considering your upgrade paths and how mm. your upgraded cards are going to cover the, the the holes you're leaving or the the. The holes you're patching with your level zero cards.
0: Because Arcane Research in Jim, he can't upgrade any of his Splash because he can only take level zero. But Arcane Research in Norman takes up two of his off class if you take two copies.
1: Yeah. But then he can't upgrade any of his Seeker cards. Are there even any non-mystic spell cards that can be upgraded? Persuasion? Because it's spell only, Right. It's Blood pers- Eclipse? No, but there's only a level f- four version of that, isn't there? Wherever it is.
0: There's two versions. Of oh, is there? Groups, one and three. Yep. I'm thinking
1: of... We can't take level the level one one anyway.
0: Or the level three one. Yeah. Guardian. <laughs> pers-
1: is persuasion level... There's two persuasions, isn't there?
0: You're thinking of suggestion? Suggestion, that's it, sorry. Yeah, there's two levels of that as well. Yeah, Arcane Research is a, is a strange one for Norman. Because, yeah, exactly what we're saying the cards that he wants to upgrade aren't in his deck yet. Yep. And maybe you use it that immediately you buy Shriveling 3 and then use the discount to buy Shriveling 5 for cheap. Yes. But you miss out on all of the discount you get of working your way to that point. I don't think it's worth it, but I think other people would think it's worth it. <laughs> other wrong people. <laughs> Hot takes for Frank. Wrong, other wrong opinion havers, yeah. Right, well, we sort of started talking about Norman. Let's Let's if we can go any deeper yes how would you crystallize some of your thoughts about what belongs in norman's five mystic cards
1: well let's let's pick to begin with a card which we both mentioned as great class uh, level 0 card for if you can take mystic cards uh, and that's ward of protection mm-hmm. do you take ward of protection level 0 in norman
0: big sigh from me
1: do you <laughs>
0: i are we playing multiplayer? Yes.
1: Yeah, let's assume we're playing multiplayer for the purpose of this. We would, yeah. This is just kind of trying to expand on some of the ideas in a specific way. Yeah. In solo,
0: yeah, i take it because I'm probably not taking Ward 2 or 5. Ward 5 feels like such a luxury. In multiplayer, I probably do want to take Ward level 2. It's so cool to have Ward level 2 on the top of your deck and be able to like target for anyone. I can cancel that for you. It's yeah. such a nice... Obviously, you can do that in your hand as well, but you do it for free off the top of your deck. So if I'm going to spend 4 XP on 2 copies of Ward level 2, I don't want to lose those 5 splashes. Maybe, you know, I'd be really interested... Maybe we're just wrong. Maybe you don't need to worry about protecting those 5. Maybe what we've learned from the Dunwich Gators, you know, your 5 splash really adds... Flavor to your deck, it shores up a weakness for you. You should pick those cards carefully because they'll last you the whole campaign. Maybe that's not right for the edge of the earth investigators, just because of the way they interact with their deck.
1: is this like a, a forty minutes into the episode turnaround frank yeah let's yeah, not, let's is. not have recorded this whole episode
0: <laughs> well i'm just i'm just I'm just musing on it, I suppose if we go back to I can retract my retraction. And if we say that was right on the, the, the main <laughs> the main class is in fact the off class because it's a large level zero, maybe that's the thing that you should be protecting, and use the the small splash that will be what your deck becomes and build on those foundations. I don't know.
1: Uh, potentially, I, I, my feeling is always that you should be using these things to their full effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the. So what? So do you take Ward Ward Zero then in Norman? No, I I don't think I do. Mm-hmm. Unless you've got a very tough opening to the campaign, I don't think that's in my my level zero Norman cards. And mm-hmm. um, interestingly enough, a card I'll often run in my level zero Norman deck is um, Saint Huthbert's Key, mm-hmm. which doesn't have an upgrade uh, and gives him a nice stat boost for two of the stats he uses quite a lot.
0: That's a really good shout.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually said, a really good. <laughs> sorry, I'm going to talk myself out of, out of picking yeah. this card. Go on. Sorry. Okay, Go on.
0: <laughs> no, I was just going to say that's a really good example of a card that's doing a lot of work in that off class slot. Yes, he can use Hawkeye folding camera to get the same boost slowly, but it's in the hand slots. Is there anything that's particularly demanding that accessory slot? Maybe not. And if you're going to go HubiKey, you go with that, and it it lasts you the campaign.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. That 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 was my exact thinking. There is maybe an argument that Norman needs a static willpower boost less because a lot of his spells upgrade mm-hmm. um, and and have a built in boost on them. But I don't. I, I, I don't. I think I still like having that card because he's only on four willpower, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes him up to five, which is nice. Yeah.
0: Gets his intellect to 6, so you're getting clues very reliably at that point.
1: Yes, which is nice when you don't get any seeker upgrades as well. You're relying on your level 0 secret cards, like yeah. something like deduction.
0: Yeah, you're not putting in your deduction 2, you're not putting in your perception level 2 for like plus 3 intellect.
1: So, so what else might we take at level 0 in Mystic for Norman?
0: Well, we might not be taking Arcane Research, which means we might be taking Delve Too Deep. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really nice pick. He's very XP hungry, isn't he? If you're XP hungry,
0: why not grab Delve Too Deep and and start delving, particularly if you're playing Delve off the top of your deck for no resources. It's nice, you know, cost something. And then the other thing I think in terms of that event no XP version is the Dream Eater spell event suite. So adding his four willpower so he can spectral razor or ethereal form, even read the signs if you wanted more clue acceleration. I think he can make something work out of that as well. If he gets them at a discount, that's no bad thing. One of the things Mystics can do that's in their colour pie, as you said earlier, is using your willpower to do things. So it just broadens out Norman that he's not just all about clues at level zero. He maybe has a few different tricks up his sleeve. That's what I'd leap to. Anything else left for you?
1: I can't think of anything in particular that I would be happy clamouring to take.
0: Promise of Power?
1: Yeah, that's always nice. It's just that that's like a very generically useful card that, again, doesn't have anything that's mm. particularly yeah. enticing as an upgrade.
0: Yeah, if you're desperate for the boost, you could just take Unexpected Courage. And, you know, we've said many times before about how much Norman does or doesn't like skills in his deck, so. Oh, oh there is another wild thing you can do with Norman. Go on. <laughs> open Gate. Yeah. <laughs> run three copies of Open Gate and footle around playing those. Because that's fast, if it's on the top of your deck, you can also just throw it out in, into the wherever you are. It's quite fun. Yes, Pass that works. <laughs> it's so,
1: so, So interestingly, like, because Norman picks from Mystic for Level Zero, it's it's harder to really nail down something. And what we've done when we've talked about the cards there is kind of pick cards that don't. We focus more on the upgrade, haven't we? Mm. The the cards that we don't want to upgrade, which provide him quite a kind of generic boost early on. Yeah. So yeah. so the the key just for kind of a, gen, a general stat boost and Torrent of Power is is a nice like. Again, an icon boost for a test, smash one yeah. test that you need to, maybe a panic button to get out of some trouble. Um, potentially, if you are in solo, yeah, maybe a look at water protection as well. Mm. What happens if we turn our attention to, to, say, Bob, then? I know you've you've spent quite a bit of time with Bob so far, um, and mm. I've, I've seen him in action as well.
0: Mr. Bob Jenkins.
1: Do you want to pull up your... Just You can put this bit out, Frank. Do you want to pull up your Bob deck and tell us what you put in level zero on that one? Oh
0: don't even need to pull it up peter it's it's, it's in my brain yeah oh right <laughs> you don't even need well to remember chuffed it. with my splash yeah, yeah no that was i was really pleased when i came up with it so <laughs> i put in i'm laughing because i'm ready brace yourself listener this is my five rogue level zero cards in my bob deck two copies of lone wolf any Solo player worth their salt puts Lone Wolf in if they can. Yeah, it's a very good card. Two copies of Dario Elamine, that guy, that guy gives you willpower and this. intellect boosts. If you're at ten resources, and as an action, you can get two resources if there are no enemies at your location. More economy. Quite an odd ally choice, but I my thinking was I like the stat boosts, I like the money because I was running a rich bob deck which we've mentioned on the cast before and my other thinking was i'm going to have action saved from my item action so i'm going to have weirdly maybe a bit more time to use that dario action and it proved absolutely to be the case and once you hit that 10 resources thing you're really singing with that deck. and then the final card was one copy of breaking and entering oh interesting two cost event Add your agility to your intellect to investigate. If you succeed, automatically evade an enemy at your location as well as getting a clue. Does not provoke attacks of opportunities. So I like that card. One, it's a way of handling getting a tough clue in the similar way to Intel Report, but it's also so it gives you that nice boost to get a clue, plus three, factoring in any other boosts you have as well. And it also gives you a way of handling enemies and it compresses it all into one business. So you don't have to do, I need to evade this enemy, then get this clue, then get out of here You just grab the clue, leave. And it has done a lot of work. A lot of work. It's a really good solo card. Anyway, that's solo Bob. So I don't know if we can really learn anything from that <laughs> for Bob in general.
1: No, I, I, I think again, that's interesting. It, it you again. You had quite a clear vision of what you you wanted your deck to do. Mm-hmm. There was this big money, Bob, and yeah. y- your picks for a large part have have kind of have reinforced that. You've gone for Lone Wolf, which is a great level zero card. That's like that's kind of the rogue, maybe the rogue equivalent of um, Ward of Protection, especially mm-hmm. if you're in solo. If you've got access to, to Lone Wolf, it's just great. It makes you so much money over the course of the game. Yeah. And what was the second one again? It was... Dario. Dario, yeah, exactly, yeah. So again, feeds into the having lots of money
0: mm-hmm.
1: and is a great way of just tapping to get money, right? Two free, two free money a turn. Well, no, not two free money, but two money a turn.
0: Yeah, no such thing as free money <laughs> apart from lone wolf.
1: from <laughs> wolf. Yeah, yeah. So again, I think that's interesting. It, it 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 kind of reinforces, I think, what we've been saying. Having an idea of where you want your deck to go is important. yeah.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think that maybe it's also worth thinking about notable omissions there. None of them are items, first of all. <laughs> so they don't, none of the choices synergize with Bob's ability. I took a load of survivor items Rabbit's Foot, Cleaver, the 0.18 Derringer, Shoffner's Catalogue. So a lot of survivor items. And the plan was to buy rogue big ticket items with my XP, including lucky cigarette case three so you know i think one of the one of the good options for bob might be lucky cigarette case but instead i put rabbit's foot in that slot and it really emphasized for me that weird change that he goes through from getting cards for failing to getting cards from smashing tests and how how his deck sort of goes
1: topsy-turvy that's interesting it's really interesting
0: it's isn't it cool yeah yeah I would be tempted now with Adaptable, now that i have running more things that give me lots of resources, to maybe Adaptable into something like the Favors, and I could just pay to do the things I need to do, given how rich the deck runs. Yeah. Or even ad- Adaptable into, say, a Sleight of Hand to get more value out of some of those big items. So if I'm about to play uh, a weapon with ammo, Sleight of Hand it in first, get a few shots off with it, and then play it using Bob's action. Maybe that would be overkill, but I think that could be really fun as well. Yeah, it's a fascinating exercise for me as well. The other thing I'd shout out about Rogue at level zero is they have some pretty fun succeed by X skills. So you're quick thinking, you'll watch this. They were nearly in the deck for me. Right. Just, you know, reliable skills that I've often played to the end of a campaign, keeping those cards in my deck because even as the deck around it gets stronger and stronger, those cards just you know, they, they become more reliable because you're higher at your test threshold, so they're more likely to fire, all of that kind of thing. You know, once your stats are really high with a lockpick, say, chucking in a quick thinking and getting an action as well is glorious. What did you see of from Bob when you saw him in play? Oh, that's a difficult one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he um, ran off. Yeah, he did. He went he went he went to do his own thing. Well, we found his money quite taxed, didn't we? It would have been nice. Mm-hmm. He'd he spent a lot of his early game um, helping everyone else get set up um, yep. and then didn't necessarily have the, the raw resources to, to, to get all of his stuff singing. And then just when he was on the cusp of that, unfortunately, we, we crashed out of that scenario. So I'd, I'd love to see him in action a bit more.
0: And with, with Adaptable, I think you could do something really fun about transitioning. That if you are running more, if you're running, you know your high XP rogue resource cards, yeah. maybe you do sub out lone wolf. You say, you know what, I don't, I don't need the lone wolf anymore, and I'd rather those cards were some quick thinkings, or I'd rather those cards were, you know, even um, swift reflexes for the action, or daring maneuver at level zero if I really want to pass the test, something like that. Oh, I really want to succeed by a certain amount on a test, I should say. Just plucking card names off the top of my head now. <laughs> Where does that leave us, Peter?
1: Well we've we've talked for quite a while. Um again I felt we, we had a strong start here and we, we've we rambled a little bit as we've gone on. <laughs> <laughs> Why why'd you say again? Is that becoming our thing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um as, as my my start off strong with the notes and then, then they tail off. So so what what yes. do you think the key lessons are from this discussion because we we didn't quite know where we we're going to go when we started talking did we we had an idea of what the question was do you feel like you've got a clearer vision of how you would pick cards or do you do you think you've always had that
0: yeah i think one of my weaknesses as a deck builder is i put a lot of effort into the level zero deck maybe with a vague idea of what i want to upgrade into but then I find the upgrading process really hard because I don't know what I can cut because I've spent so long making that level zero deck really sing. And I think what came out of this discussion for me was putting a bit more effort into thinking about what the deck looks like at 10 XP and then at maybe 25 XP is really useful for informing that choice about the splash to just say, okay, this is, I'm going to need this for this reason. And if we actually rewind back to Dunwich Investigators, I think that still applies as well. You know, you, you're building your Rex or your Zoe deck, you're saying this deck is going to be amazing at clues or it's going to be amazing at fighting. So what are these five cards going to do and how are they going to complement the deck at the start and after 25 XP when the deck is even better at doing that thing? How about for you?
1: I think similar, actually. I think it, it's, it's clarified for me that I want to make sure I've got... a Almost like a strong vision for my deck when I start putting it together, especially for the Edge of the Earth investigators. I think understanding the role those five cards play in your first couple of scenarios, how they tie into the vision of your deck, is really key. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's easy, and I don't think I don't think we've we've really kind of gone that far deep into the topic. To be honest with you, there's a lot more that could be said. There's there's just so many contradictions. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the the building, if you've got a vision for your deck, you kind of want to pick cards that support that. But then those are cards you're never going to upgrade. Yeah. So you know can, there's key level zero cards. But if like a higher version of that card comes out, then you're not necessarily wanting to upgrade that and, and missing the level zero slot you've got. So yeah, I I'd say I I feel better. Or. I feel like I'd make more of an effort to have that strong vision for my deck when I start out.
0: I think when you built that Daniela deck, I said to you, Great level zero deck, what will you upgrade to? And you said, No idea. I fell apart. <laughs> yeah. I can't even remember what I picked is, is level zero. Cards, this is a so thing of beauty. Afterwards. It's not going to have any XP. Yeah, that's have it. it on the yeah. shelf and never play this deck. Yeah.
1: It stays perfect that's in it. its purity. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's never lost a scenario.
1: Yeah. So uh, that th- th- that's that's one element of it. And I think, does that carry over to Dunwich as well? I think my strategy f- for, um, say, Finn or, or uh, Mandy or those um, the Dunwich investigators probably remains the same that I really want to cover for the weaknesses in my main deck or, or if there's a particularly strong card in, in a faction that complements my main strategy. That's what I'm going for because it's it's a real chance to reach outside your faction and grab a mechanic that you wouldn't normally have access to, or to provide you with some really solid like defense against something you can't do very well.
0: That's It's much more cut and dry there, isn't it? I think because so, yeah. Your XP path is not necessarily going to provide you that thing later on.
1: Yeah, yeah. And actually, in your defense, Frank, you had originally wanted to focus this conversation on the Edge of the Earth investigators, and it was me that mm. said oh, well, hang on, let's think about Splash as a whole and what it can do for your decks. So, so
0: you caused my confusion. I did, yeah,
1: yeah. Deliberately so, actually.
0: I come across as this sort of confused, rambling host. In <laughs> <laughs> You've really gone off the rails here. <laughs> you were the puppet master all along. I think the thing that stayed with me about Vision as well is how does that fit with just wanting to slam a deck down on the table and get playing? And I don't think there's an easy answer to that. But I think sometimes it can be as simple as saying, you know, with this Bob deck, I just, I reckon he can get rich. Getting rich helps me with greed. So let's go. And, you know, yeah, I felt a bit sheepish saying I put two copies of Dario, who's not widely, um, not considered by many people a strong ally choice. But it worked for that list. So. You know, there's no point having too much dogma about what you can or can't include, I suppose. And I I think my final definitely final point <laughs> one of the things we you know, we've now been doing drawn to the flame for nearly five years. It's, that anniversary is fast approaching. And one of the things when we reflected recently on what we think one of the strengths of the cast is, is starting discussion rather than ending it. And particularly at the moment with five edge of the earth investigators who all develop in this way, we are interested in other people's thoughts about how they develop, about what people think their guiding principles should be, about how you plan to upgrade them. And in in my three-player group, we're talking about playing a campaign with three of these investigators. And one of the things one of the players specifically said was, oh, it needs to be a campaign because we need to experience what it's like for their deck to change you know they didn't want to just build a standalone deck for them because you miss out on the the balance tipping as the deck starts off seeker and starts to become more mystic or starts off survivor and starts to become more rogue like that in itself is part of the experience the storytelling of these investigators so as ever we'd love to hear what other people think is important about
1: the morphers the morphers were sticking with
0: us i don't know <laughs> yeah the changelings so you can tell us those thoughts on our email which is drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com you can also find us on facebook we're drawn to the flame twitter we're drawn to the flame you can become a patron of the cast if you aren't already we have a really lovely discord community that chat about all things about the game and lots of things not about the game just look for us on Patreon, Drawn to the Flame, or buy some Drawn to the Flame merchandise on Designed by Humans.
1: Was that noise part of the the name?
0: <laughs> designed by humans. Yeah, you have to say it because it's actually designed by robots. You have to say it in a robotic voice. Right. Good. Peter, how can people get in touch with I you? am
1: United Everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Steam and... Instagram is the.unitled. So, yeah, please say hello. How about you, Frank?
0: I'm FB on Twitter. That's EPH underscore BEE. And I'm FEB or Zooey Glass or Zozo around the place. Please say hello as well. Thank you very much for listening.
1: <laughs> Thank you.